Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady coming to you fresh and live from Ustron, Poland. So over the next couple of episodes, maybe three, we will see. I am going to be doing our summer readings from the small book, The Green Letters by Miles J. Stanford. I hope that you enjoy them. I hope that you will share them. And I hope that you will give us a five-star rating and take a couple of minutes to write a one, two, or three sentence review. This really does help us get the message out and cause others to be able to find Tent Talk Podcast. So love you all. Thanks for being a part of all that we're doing here and letting us be a part of your life. Hey, everybody. Greetings again from Wuch, Poland. As we continue with summer readings, in our last episode together, I read from uh, one of my favorite, most precious possessions uh, as far as books are concerned is The Green Letters. Uh, And it is just the first... Um, section of five books known as the complete green letters so the book that I'm referring to is the first portion of that which is 18 small chapters and uh, the one that we read in the previous episode together was on time and you probably picked up on that it was touching me very deeply And staying with God, uh, moving in His timing is so important, and giving Him the necessary time for growth. Even though we may want to see our children, you know, grow up, right, we know we cannot rush the process. We don't want to see them stunted or stuck in their growth. We don't want to see them arrested in their growth. We don't want to see them delayed in their development. And how much more then God wants to move us along in our proper growth phases uh, by his leading, by his nurture, by his cultivation. That's why he's called the husbandman. So I'm going to encourage you to do something that my mentors always encouraged me to do is that if there's a word that catches your attention, If there's a word, you read it and you say, I don't have any idea what that actually means, then stop and look it up. Write it in the margin of your book so that every time you come back to read it, you see that word and you get a greater depth of understanding by the fact that you took the time, right, to read it. So I've often said to people, you know, how long are you going to tolerate that ignorance? Right, because I've had to face that question myself. Nancy, you know, nobody else is going to look it up for you. Look it up. And so that's not meant to, you know, shame ourselves, but come on, right? Sometimes we need to shame the flesh, right? We just need to call it out for what it is, is that it's oftentimes lazy, doesn't want to do anything, wants everybody to bring it to it on a silver platter. But One of the true signs, again, of dignity and respect that God gives us is he says, come on, reach out, make the decision. I've given you the freedom, right? This is why I love, there's an old quote. I don't know where it came from, um, but 
It says God will put it within your reach, but He won't put it in your mouth. So if I have a cup, which I do right now, a cup of cappuccino, a cup of orange juice, it's right here. It's been provided for me. It's fully accessible, and I do have the ability to reach my arm out and to pick it up. So it's been put within my reach, right? But nobody else, right? What, what would you think if the waitress came towards me and then she said, would you like for me to, you know, give that to you? Would you like for me to put that up to your mouth? Okay, number one, I'd be like, uh, no, I do not, right? <laughs> right, of course we wouldn't. But how many times do we oftentimes, uh, whether in our weakness or in maybe retreating back into a more infantile uh, time of our life, we think, why won't someone just do this for me? Well, there is a certain portion, and I think it should just be put in its proper place, the certain portion of our responsibility is to simply reach out and take that which God has given by faith. This is the currency of the spirit realm, if you will, is faith in Him. He's put it there. It's all there. But He allows me, right, and affords me. Um, the sign of my freedom is that I get to reach out and decide. And so when there's a word that you don't know or understand, just take a moment, Google it up. This is what I do. I just Googled up husbandman. I knew what it meant, but I thought, no, let me just look at it again. Maybe there's some depth to it that I'm, I'm not recognizing. And simply, a husbandman is the one who cultivates the garden, plows the field, tends to the crops. If it's time to be pruned, pruned, uh, to take fertilizer, the dung of our life, and even that will count, is he'll use that to enrich the roots. Um, and so there's much that the husbandman does. And Jesus said, my father is the husbandman, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And so we want to recognize, as I refer back to this amazing, precious commodity of time. You see, we don't make time. God has made time, and he's placed us within time. And he tells us, take the time and give me, give me time to make real in you what's already yours. So later today, I don't know when you may be listening to this, but later today I'm going to do a live on my private Facebook group, uh, The Producer's Way. So if you're catching this in time, uh, it's going to be 7 a.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, 2 p.m. Central Europe time here in Poland. And I'm going to take maybe 30 minutes and just have a live with uh, the folks there. So if you're not already uh, a part of my private Facebook group, it requires nothing except to go over and click the button that says join and be there. And I try to do one live a week um, and to just bring, um, you know, conversation uh, that will encourage that will maybe even give you a laugh or two because <laughs> laughter does good like a medicine in the midst of all of this so uh, I want because because this is really stirring me this is so and whenever I sense that God is stirring me right then I just want to 
you know, say, hey, this, this really is so important in the overall process. Because I'm sure you're picking up on the fact that all my conversations, everything I'm doing is all a part of the same. I don't just choose topics as random things to talk about biblically. No, the Father is raising us as his own and preparing us for things that are coming that he knows we do not. That's why sometimes we don't understand why he's taking us a certain route, why it's taking as long as it does, because most of us don't understand the largeness of what we're in, the kingdom of God, what the Father is doing. Uh, Even talk like this can become so familiar and we become numb to it. And so it is the day in and the day out that prepares us, right, for, for what is to come. But we must live in uh, the fullest portion of the moment that we're in. We, we need to live where we are. I'm, I'm longing to be home. This is the tension I learned to manage. I am longing to be home. But I am here, and there is much to do, much to learn. As I revisit on my journeys, I revisit places where I've planted and sown and discipled and built relationships and those things are growing because they're organic I'm going to get to the reading I promise okay (laughs) right and it's not stagnant I I don't return and do the same thing and there this is God is on the move Zechariah 213 something's afoot in God's holy house he is on the move, and we are moving with him. So when I come back around and, and say now when I'm here with my great friends and, and Wynn is getting to know them more, and we're here together in Wooch for the first time, and, and with Carol and Agnieszka, and, and watching the growth due to all of those um, who have sown into them, and, and what I am most encouraged by is their depth of response to the Father and the way they are moving forward, the way they are are maturing and and sensing him and the soberness and yet the unbelievable joy and delight that they have. So you see when you, you, you journey back through with people that you've been walking with now for years and you realize, wow, God is on the move. And he's getting us ready day in and day out. So this is why I've chosen today to read chapter 14 from the Green Letters on process of discipleship. Because it begins to go a little deeper in some of the things that we uh, heard and listened to and read in uh, the chapter on time. So if I may, um, let's... Let's, let's go a little bit deeper in today, and, and thank you for the time that you're giving to this. I know it's a little bit longer today, maybe, but that's okay. <laughs> you can listen to it in, in two drives, okay, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, so it's all good. So Process of Discipleship, Chapter 14, The Green Letters. In the parable of the sower, the seed sown on good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. Luke 8.15 The principle of growth is always 
first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. Mark 4.28 Therefore the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it. James 5.7 As this clearly exemplifies, He that believeth shall not make haste. Isaiah 28.16 For most of us it has been a long season of growth from the tiny green blade up to the full corn in the ear. So many seek to settle for this stage, saved, with heaven assured, plus a pacifying measure of Christian respectability, at least in church circles. Here we have the believer as a normal kernel of wheat, containing life inside a more or less shiny golden covering, in fellowship high up on the stalk with similar kernels of wheat. This is but a stage, not the goal. And, like middle age, this can be a dangerous stage, one of seeking a much-deserved rest, of basking aimlessly in the fellowship of meetings, classes, etc., of ignoring or forgetting the struggles and growing pains of the tiny green blades down at one's feet, and expecting and exhorting them to just shape up and mature without delay. Well, this is all very cozy, but costly, snug, but sterile. The seed corn may be beautiful, but it is hard. The germ of life is locked up within its shell and cannot get out. Therefore, it produces nothing. Here is the reason why so many Christians, even preachers, are so unfruitful. Only one here and there is a soul winner. When the grain of corn is buried, it dies, and that hard exterior surface softens and decays in order to give nutriment to the young sprout, which would otherwise die and thus cause a crop failure. One must reckon himself dead to the hard, cold, selfish eye before the softening influence of the Holy Spirit can operate, qualifying the believer in the service of God. Many want to do God's work but are unable because of the flesh in their lives. Our Father understands all this, and he it is who takes the initiative in the matter. He drops the seed of dissatisfaction into our hearts. He begins to show us that there is far more to this Christian life than just being saved and active for him. And it is necessary for him to engineer our exchange from carnal, kernel Christians to fruitful, fellowshipping disciples. From an infinite number of ways, he chooses the most effective for each individual's transition. And in the hand of the husbandman, there is no fear but freedom. We often come across Christians who are bright and clever and strong and righteous. In fact, a little too bright and a little too clever. There seems so much of self in their strength and their righteousness is severe and critical. They have everything to make them saints except crucifixion, which would mold them into a supernatural tenderness and limitless charity for others. But if they are of the real elect, God has a wine press prepared for them, through which they will some day pass, which will turn the metallic hardness of their nature into gentle love, which Christ always brings forth at the last of the feast. 
Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is in the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. Matthew 13, 24, 37, and 38a. The Lord of the harvest plants buries Christians as seeds in a field, which is the world. Through the husbandman's patient and loving cultivation, the grain of wheat, high up on the stalk, begins to fear being garnered alone and hungers to bring forth much fruit. Here is God's motivation for discipleship. That filial heart hunger, that family heart hunger. See, there's a word. I'm going to step in here. Filial, F-I-L-I-A-L. Maybe look that up. That filial heart hunger for fruit bearing. He finally pleads to be made fruitful at any cost. And then it is that he hears the Lord say, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. John twelve twenty four. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, and the gospels the same, shall save it. Mark eight thirty five. In loving response to this hunger, the Holy Spirit silently and gently begins to loosen the grain from its comfortable bindings and supports in the kernel. When the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. Mark 4.29 As a result, sooner or later, the grain of wheat finds itself not high up on the stalk, but dropped to the earth, into the cold and strange darkness. And still worse, the earth smears and injures that nice, shiny, golden coat. Worst of all, the coat begins to disintegrate and fall to pieces. All that is not Christ, no matter how nice in appearance and profession, is revealed for what it is, just self. There is a further stripping right down to the germ of life, right on down until there is nothing left but Christ, who is our life. Down down into death. Patience, grain of wheat. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job thirteen fifteen. And here is a selected poem that he's put in. Except it fall into the ground and die, can much fruit come alone at such a cost? Must the seed corn be buried in the earth, all summer joy and glory seemingly lost? He buries still his seed corns here and there and calls to deeper fellowship with him. Those who will dare to share the bitter cup and yet while sharing sing the triumph hymn, except it fall into the ground and die. But what a harvest in the days to come when fields stand thick with golden sheaves of corn and you are sharing in the harvest home. To you who lose your life and let it die, Yet in the losing, find your life anew. Christ evermore unveils his lovely face, and thus his mirrored glory rests on you. When the believer takes up his cross for discipleship, the process of death begins to set in. 
the disciple finds himself a seed sown by the sun, planted in a home, office, hospital, church, mats, or mission station. Whatever or wherever it is, there will be the death from which resurrection life follows. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. 2 Corinthians 4, 11, 12. We need to enter deeply into the truth that Christ, the beloved Son of the Father, could not enter to the glory of heaven until he had first given himself over to death. And this great truth, as it opens to us, will help us to understand how in our life and in our fellowship with Christ, it is impossible for us to share his life until we have first, in very deed, surrendered ourselves every day to die to sin and self and the law and the world, and so to abide in the unbroken fellowship of discipleship with our crucified and risen Lord. P.S. All the truths we have learned about the cross of our death with Christ, our death unto sin with him, of our conformity to death like the corn of wheat falling into the ground to die, are preparatory to the overcoming life. They are the foundation of and fundamental to it. All right, there again, so much said in that reading, and it is best to leave it where you can think upon it with him. And I have no doubt. There are many conversations he wants to have with you, and it probably is time. So I pray this has been encouraging to you, and I love you all. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.